Welcome to TechTastic, the podcast that explores the cutting-edge world of technology and its impact on society. New breakthroughs and developments are revolutionizing the world around us, presenting exciting opportunities as well as complex challenges. We'll explore the big ideas and key players driving these transformations as we seek to understand the implications of these advancements for our lives, our communities, and our planet. Join us on this journey of discovery and exploration as we navigate the fascinating and ever-evolving world of technology. This is TechTastic. Catherine McCord, it's lovely to have you on It's TechTastic. I'm so happy you're here. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm actually super stoked about this conversation today. As am I. So the topic that's most interesting to the listeners right now is because of AI, there's a lot of changes that are occurring across all the technology offerings out there. And HR tech in particular has been one that's been called out as being broken for some time. HR tech's not something I've been particularly close to personally, but it's been adjacent to many things I've done. And it has the same problem that a lot of underfunded and undervalued parts of organizations hit, yeah. which is we believe this technology hype is going to solve some problem for us this time around. And it's mm -hmm. something we really don't want to spend any money on. Yep. So let's do it. They all try to do the same thing. It's like, we're so understaffed at HR. We need the managers to do it. We need the people to self-administer. And the problem is that we don't give those people any training on it. They have no idea how to use it and it makes it uh, everybody's problem and nobody's problem at the same time. Yeah, it's just a defunct situation. Like from design to carry out to result is an epic fail. <laughs> and, and, and one of the most fascinating problems that I've seen over the years is that in organizations of all sizes, quite often the people who will be actually using the technology are not the people who participate in buying oh, the yeah. technology, which makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> so you have people that have no idea what's needed, what's going on, that just buy this thing that then everybody's just stuck with. And that's how you get stuck with these, you know, ATSs that were actually designed by payment processing companies <laughs> who are just trying to get these companies to oh. payment process with them. And it's an afterthought and it's just garbage. Yeah, that was a very valid point that actually happens in almost all parts of technology when it's being sold to the enterprise. It's somebody specializes in one thing and we want to blow it up into more space and sell you more components and it's never sold to the person that's going to use it and we've talked about that before on the show where there's a big disconnect between the user and the customer and most developers are focused well most developers the software engineers want to be associated with the user they think about the user talk about user stories we have user experience people that are involved in it but that's not who's making the buying decision. And so when you're coming up with the feature set, you're thinking of the buyer, the customer, and not the user. Right. It's insane. And in this particular space, it's like double so. I, I can't quite find a fix for it. So I actually developed an applicant tracking system a while back, and I do not have a tech background, which made it very funny because I was really great at designing what it needed to look at, but I had to have a lot of help with the coding because the one and only thing that I actually coded and put together is the ugliest feature on the whole thing, hands down. Um, <laughs> you, you need to have people participating in the designs that are going to be the end user. So I've been the end user on every side imaginable to the applicant tracking system. I've been a hiring manager. I've been the, uh, the recruiter. I've been the candidate. 
I've been all of these things, right? And I've done a lot of research in these areas. And so I knew what needed to be there. But even though I had that expertise, I reached out to everyone I could find, job seekers, hiring managers, all different types of recruiters, corporate agency, all of this. I brought in all these different people, every diversity I could think of and multiple people inside of those diversities and had them come in so that it would be inclusive. It would be accessible. It would be user friendly. It would actually make sense. It would fire the resume, which resumes suck and they're not very productive and that's been proven. And so we just completely reinvented it. And I think that that's the problem is that these companies are developing products without actually talking to all of the human, all of them, that this is going to affect. That's definitely the case. And it's very difficult for them to even comprehend that because you'll see a, a there's, there's kind of like two modes of operating and one's always going to fail, but will probably get so far down into the market that people will care about it. But the other tends to still fail quite often, but is more likely to see the outside in, inside out view. And the inside out view, the benefit of it is it's coming from people that are buried in it. They understand the specific thing very, very deeply, but they're incapable of seeing the big picture, the whole impact of everything they're doing. So you have HR professionals, for example, focused on an HR system that's gonna be used by people that aren't in HR. So might not know the specific terminology or might not know right. the law. The outside in perspective then tries to take the comprehensive view, the whole space and try to cover it, but often misses the details. Yeah, the very important details. <laughs> <laughs> Pulling those two things together has to be the key. Get everybody involved. Yes, everybody, all the humans have to be involved. That's it. And, and you have to have tech people if it's a technology, duh. Which, oh my God, <laughs> I've actually seen that missed. That's not a joke. And it's so funny to me. I've seen so many different aspects missed and it's not that hard to bring everybody together. I mean, I did it. I had never done that for this type of product. Now I've done it for projects and things like that, but never to design a product. And I figured it out. So I don't see what anybody else's excuses. So that's, that's what they need to be doing. I get everybody together and design it cohesively and just shoot ego out the window and listen to what everybody says. Yeah, the ego out the window part and not thinking that you already know it all, that's the part that's, I think, hardest for most people to grasp mm -hmm. because inside out doesn't even matter. You think you have a certain amount of knowledge about a space. That's why you think you can bring a solution to the table, right? right. And then you get into it and start having all those assumptions you made question and you don't even hear them because that ego is already present. Right. How do you get past the ego part, especially if you're an expert in a space? I know how to do that because I had to practice it very hard. So I am at the top of my game when it comes to, to innovating, recruiting and all of this. I'm at the top of my game. You know, I've been doing it. I'm very good at what I do. And so coming in and designing this type of technology, I had that exact experience that you're describing, right? What I learned is that in order to really hear people, we have a naturally occurring ego mechanism. It's not ego, like people think ego is this thing that's like all encompassing in your life and it's not. It's this little tiny thing that's actually designed and it's inherent in all of our brains. Every single human is born with it. And our brain needs to be correct. So when something comes at us that is different than what we know, our brain automatically goes, no, I'm right. Because it's scared and it's like, if I'm wrong, I might die. Like, that's what it thinks, you know? So because when we're little tiny humans, that's correct. So what we have to do then is tell that part of the brain, okay, no, I'm safe. And we have to just kind of remind ourselves, no, 
this is okay. This is what I want. This is what's going to make things better. This is what's going to make things safe. This is what's going to help us grow. And so you learn to quiet that and to respond in questions. So I set up a rule for myself that every time somebody said something that hit me weird or that I disagreed with or that I just felt something about it was wrong, I couldn't even put my finger on it. I would automatically respond with a question to learn more. That's how I overcame it. So somebody would say something, I'd say, okay, great. Can you elaborate on that? Or would you mind explaining a little bit more about this to me? Or just something along those lines. And what started to happen is that naturally that started to be how I responded instead of that ego mechanism. And it completely changed how I worked. It completely changed how I functioned in my marriage, my friendships, my relate. It's crazy. It's the coolest thing ever once you train yourself to do that. And so I think that's where everybody needs to start is just respond with curiosity. Just respond with questions. It works. Great advice. The the ego part's funny. I think that everybody goes through the cycles of becoming, like you get into a space where you become somewhat of an expert and it becomes very difficult to challenge that. And then you come into a new space where everything, at least if you're like me, I get bored with an industry at some point or I get bored with a space, right? And I want Mm -hmm. new learnings, new challenges. Half the reason I do the podcast is to talk to new people with new ideas. And a lot of that is just taking a step back and listening and asking questions, as you described. But there's another part of it that I had to actively go out of my way to drop defenses. So I'm going to give you an example of a thing I do with a lot of teams to try to break down the fact that I'm supposed to be the expert as a technologist, as an executive, right? Like, so you're brought into a new team and you're told you have to completely turn this team around. You've got six months to do it. And you walk in, you start doing your evaluation of all the people, the technology and the procedures they've got in place. And the first thing you realize is that nobody trusts each other. They just do not. So you've got to get a trust exercise and you do not have time. You've got six months to turn it around. That doesn't give you any time to get everybody on the same page, really. And they don't trust you because you're the new outsider brought in. What do you do? Well, the first thing I do is I turn myself into the enemy's not the right word. I want to show that I don't have anything I'm bringing to the table that's detrimental to them. Right. The threat's gone. Like I'm not, I'm not here to harm you. I'm here to solve problems together. And the fastest way I've ever found to do that was to give everybody, like, we're going to have this big conference thing. Everybody's going to be pulled together for a week long session where we're going to learn to talk to each other. That's what we say. That's what I say. And I give everybody something to go do that I know they can't do. And then I try to make it as impossible for them to do as I can. If it seems like they might pull it off, I give them something else to break it. And I do a terrible job of communicating what I really want. This is all intentionally trying to make it as bad as possible. So then we get there to the day of, and I immediately start doing the, Catherine, are you ready to get up and present right now? And you're like, present what? I didn't know I was presenting. And you go around the room and what I'm trying to do, and eventually it will occur if you press her hard enough, is to get somebody to say, Christian, this is bullshit. Great. Catherine, why is this bullshit? What was it about all the things you've been asked that sucked? And then I turn around to the whiteboard and I start listing those things off because what it did is it showed, first of all, like, I want to demonstrate to all of you what you're doing. I want to show you that I don't care if you tell me it's bullshit. Like, it doesn't hurt me, right? Let's disarm that. Right. And it also gets you all cooperating on what I did bad. Psychological safety. That's what it is. It's the ability to speak up without fear of reprisal or anything like that and to dissent and and all of these. I have a different method to accomplish sort of a similar thing. So I have done a lot of work over the years with animals, right? And I used to actually go and care for like lions and bears and hyenas. Oh yeah. That's amazing. And it was really super cool. I'm not going to lie. It was really amazing. And I was actually once on an animal planet special about it, but that's a whole other story. So 
um, it was it was really incredible. And and so I, I kind of learned that you know the kind of the universal symbol of I'm safe is to show your belly. Every animal does it. That is a universal symbol of I am safe. It is okay to be around me. And even if you watch the body language of humans, when they feel safe, their hands are not around their tummies, they're not around their chest, they're not guarding their head. It's a very, you know, relaxed pose. And so I do the emotional equivalent of that. I start off and I let, whether I'm speaking, I do this every time I speak, every time I teach, when I come into a new group, I'm vulnerable with them right off the bat. And I tell them stories about, even when I'm making a request of my team, even a team I've been working with, I tell a story about a time I boofed something similar, right? So that they understand that it's okay to do. I talk about, you know, some of my diagnoses sometimes, depending on what's relevant, right? Um, I'll talk about different things that I've had go on. When I'm introducing myself, I always talk about times I messed up, uh, my health stuff, things like this that will make people see me as a human and as somebody that they can approach and come to. And I also immediately ask for their ideas. I immediately put value onto them and say, what do you think? What I know that you've been doing, what knowledge you know, do you have for me? And I, I ask them very specific questions and I kind of target that and let them participate and immediately start the ball of, you have just as much value here as I do. So that's my approach. So you have a website, titanmanagementusa.com, where you can sign up for classes and there's some resources there around a bunch of different topics grouped around all the things that we've talked about in the last half All the human things. It's all all the the human human things. If you were to say you have a superpower, what would that superpower be? I have multiple, but I would say, honestly, my biggest superpower is my ability to innovate. And it can be fixing something that's already there. It could be creating from the ground up and also my 3D model thinking. Those two. Ooh, Those are my superpowers. I, I, I want to dig more in. We've got five minutes. Um, <laughs> my three... 3D model thinking? Yes. <laughs> I So I a long time ago, I had a job working for the Dallas Cowboy travel partner. I'm a huge Dallas Cowboy fan. And this is where I discovered that I was really, really good at just seeing how something ought to be. It, I could just see the entire event layout in my head. I could see the entire staff movement in my head just immediately it was just an image that was already present almost like i had a little metaverse in my brain (laughs) and and so i started using that but i can use that for everything else too so i use it for how an organization should work how hr should work how my technology should work all of these types of things so whenever i come into a project or anything like that that 3d model thinking i just see it and how it's happening and even as people talk and add to it or subtract from it that image like physically adjust. It's kind of a cool thing. That is very cool. If applying that to the future of HR tech, what do you think happens next in that space? Or what's the next big thing that has to happen in that space? Oh, God. Uh, can we just blow it up and try again? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> actually, that's my favorite thing to do with everything. Yeah, start over. And that, yeah, because it actually works better. People don't understand that that actually works more effectively oh, yeah. than trying to fix what's already there. It takes way less time. Um, <laughs> True. But so that's my first idea. But second to that is learning how to use AI, because right now they're trying some kind of inappropriate uses that aren't actually helping anything. And they're removing human connection where there needs to be human connection. And then they're leaving human interaction where there doesn't need to be. And it's just this very bizarre cycle. And so I want to see more appropriate uses of AI and HR tech and understanding that no, AI cannot replace humans. (laughs) It cannot replace your recruiting team. That is not a thing that can happen. 
but using it appropriately to search appropriately, to interact with the candidates, give them information. That's huge. Why is there not more of that? Why is there not more of technology that gives information to candidates? Let them ask a question, let the AI find it for them, helping people clarify their interview questions. So let's say you're in the middle of an interview and you're stuck on either side, candidate or interviewer, and you need a new way to word this question because the way that you're asking it is not effective for this person. Mm. Well, it doesn't mean that they're stupid. It means that there's just a breakdown in communication. Maybe there's a diversity complication. So just having AI that you can say, okay, another way to ask this, and then it will send that person different options for how the question could be asked, and then they know how to respond to you. That's great advice. You reminded me of a, a conversation or an interview I watched happen in an organization and people that were of a certain generation did very, very well in it. And people that were older than that did terrible in it. And it was because they were asking somebody to design a dating site. And so they'll describe how the data model, all that can, can work. And if it, you were my age or older, you've never used one. How the heck? point. Like I have to. Yeah, like I don't know. Yeah, I don't, like, <laughs> been married for 25 years. I have no idea what that looks like. Like they didn't exist. We went to the bar or we went out, you know, we went out clubbing or, you know, we met her at class, whatever. But uh, there's, there's always a certain amount of assumption that you're putting into those interview questions yes. in the process. And you might not yes. even know the bias that you've put into it. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Oh, neurodiversity. And that's about a third of the world's population, by the way. Um, yeah. And that's everything from traumatic brain injury and cerebral palsy all the way over to like ADHD and dyslexia that creates all kinds of different communication needs. And that's that's a specialty that I have is, is working with that. And I've gotten very good at my in-person interviewing skills, but it's made me realize how much other people have not been taught that. And it's not their fault. You don't know that you need that until somebody tells you, right? Uh, so I don't want to put anybody down that's not aware of this or doing anything about it. Catherine McCord, I'm going to send everybody to titanmanagementusa.com. But thank you so much for being on the podcast. It was an absolute pleasure. I look forward to talking to you again. It was a blast. Thank you so much. And that's a wrap for this episode of TechTastic. I want to thank you personally for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Until then, keep exploring and stay curious.